powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everybody. This is Tony Richards on Better Than Before. Welcome to another power-packed episode, and we've got a lot going on today. Uh, I'm going to give you some significant moments in the life of some famous folks to help encourage all our entrepreneurs who may be listening, who may be struggling with some stuff. So I'll give you some pivotal points in the lives of some leaders and entrepreneurs. Also, uh, Bill and Whitney are going to ask me some questions about my book, The Big Idea. And in today's Today's leadership lesson, I'm going to talk to you about decluttering your mind. So it ought to be a really good show. I want to tell you about our exponential leadership retreat. We only do one or two of these a year, and I really, really enjoy them because I get to be in one place for three whole days with the same group of people. So it's coming up on June 27th, 28th, and 29th. We have a whole cadre of assessment tools that we provide our participants and a lot of workshop-type environment tools. So we work through a lot of situations and problems, and I give you a lot of leadership things that you'll be able to take back and put into place immediately upon returning to your business or returning to your career. I look forward to seeing you at the Exponential Leadership Retreat, June 27th, 28th, 29th. And right now we're running a contest that somebody can win a free seat. Whitney, how's that work? Yes, yes, we are. So right now, if you go to our social media page, Facebook or Twitter, you'll be able to find one of a link to sign up and submit your name in for a free seat. And you can come and join us for those three days and learn a lot from Tony. So on Twitter, it's at ClearVisionDev, D-E-V. And on Facebook, you can just search for Clear Vision Development Group and all the details will be there on how you can enter to win a free seat at the Exponential Leadership Retreat and spend three days learning from me. And I will spend some time learning from you also, I'm sure. So that's June 27th, 28th, and 29th, $725 right now. It's a special early bird fee. It will go up to $775 here in just a few days and weeks. So you want to make sure and get in early and save 50 bucks on that or possibly win a free uh, ticket to come and visit with us those three days. Also want to talk about Wall Street Journal just came out with a story about CEO compensation. Median pay, $12.1 million for CEOs of the biggest U.S. companies in 2017. A new post-recession high as profits and stock prices have been pretty good in the last 10 years or so. Most S&P 500 CEOs received raises of 9.7% or better last year, according to a Wall Street Journal analysis of data from MyLog IQ. If you go to the Wall Street Journal, you can see all those CEOs. And believe it or not, Warren Buffett, who's the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, this dude is worth like $65 billion and makes $100,000 a year. That's his CEO salary. Another one that kind of surprised me was Bezos, uh, who runs Amazon. For a CEO that runs a company the size of Amazon that's grown 4,000% in 12 years, the guy makes almost $2 million. It seems low to me when the median is $12 million for CEOs. So 
I'm one of those people that will defend CEO salaries all day long because those jobs are very scarce. There's not many of them. And uh, you have to be really, really good to get those jobs. And you have to work really, really hard. And you have to have special skill sets. And so, I mean, you always hear the comparison of, well, compared to the average worker, the CEO makes a whole lot of money. Well, right. CEOs ain't average. You can't be an average worker and become CEO. So it's not really a fair comparison. I think they're worth everything they get, especially if they're successful. Now, if they don't have good performance and they're not successful, I have seen some compensation abuse there where, yeah, they shouldn't be paying the guy five years after he's gone from the job and he failed. I mean, for the ones who are successful and the company's successful, they are very much worth the money. So you guys have the big idea there in your hands, and which is my book, and you've got some questions for me about the big idea. So what can I answer for you there? Sure. So something you always say is that good leaders are great readers. And so here we're always learning something new. And of course, since your book came out, we've already read it probably multiple times. We thought it'd be a great idea to explain a little bit about the background. So how did you kind of come up with this idea? Well, I think part of it is just because I am that way. So most of the clients I coach, CEOs and business owners, they become readers because they need to be fluent in business situations. And, you know, you're always learning, you're always growing. And when the growth stops for the leader, the business growth stops too. Because that leader is, he's the driving force for that business. You know, he becomes the lid for it. So when he stops, that's where the business gets capped. You know, I just believe in continuing to challenge myself and those that I coach to always get better. And one of the ways you get better is by learning through other people. So you you learn through other experts and other life experiences. I usually, just for me, I'm usually reading four different books a week. And I'm not reading four books a week, but I'm reading four different books a week. So I'll usually have a business book going. I'll have a biography going. I'll have some kind of spiritual enrichment type book going. And then some miscellaneous audio book when I'm in the car or something. So I'll usually have somewhere between three and four books going to enhance me, you know, in different ways. I need to enhance myself as a person. I need to enhance myself from a spiritual standpoint. I need to enhance myself as a business leader. I need to enhance myself as a people leader. I've often found that people who think they know a lot don't read a lot. And people who read a lot don't think they know a lot because the more you learn, the more you find out you don't know, right? So that's just a good best practice, I think. Well, and the book's laid out in a very different way as well. It's 52 big ideas because there's 52 weeks in a year. And something that you've coached us on is not about the amount of books you read, but about how you integrate them into practice. Yeah, it's, it's kind of laid out for people who are just starting to develop the habit. The chapters are short and they're frequent. So it's every week you can do it. Now, a lot of people don't do it that way, but the way I intended for it was to help those people who could get a, a shot in the arm. They could read a chapter in a fair short amount of time, but they could read one every week. So it helps them build up their frequency and it helps them build up their, their habit at the same time. Well, the chapter that spoke to me the most was chapter 17, self-talk. 
voices in your head, Bill. Yes, and, and the great thing about this chapter is that it made me aware of these voices. It's something that you know a lot of us don't think about, and the thoughts that hold us back. Could you expand a little bit on this chapter? Yeah, so I think that comes from athletics. Maybe everybody's not this way, but a lot of the athletes that I grew up with and that I've talked to and that I've books I've read and stuff, we always have a dialogue going. You know, if you've ever watched that movie For the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, he goes to the mound to pitch and he says, engage the mechanism. And when he says that, that's kind of a touch point for his mind to block out the crowd and he just focuses in on the batter. I figured out in my athletic career that however my dialogue was going was how I was going. If I went to the plate to hit and my dialogue was good, I was successful more than not. If my dialogue was bad, I struck out a lot. So to me, it just made sense that That's the way all of life is, which is why I focus a lot in on thoughts lead to words, words lead to action. So it all starts with how you think, and it all starts with that running stream of consciousness in your mind. It's either talking about how you're confident, you got this, you're going to nail this, or it's saying, oh my God, they're going to throw tomatoes at you. You don't know what you're doing. You're an imposter, you know. Right. Well, and for me, the first time you have a struggle, there that self-talk really can bring you down. Yeah, it can it can jump up and bite you and say, "See, there you go. You know, this is going to keep happening to you. You should have seen that. You know, you beat yourself up, right? And you can't control that, but it's like every other habit. So it's like eating too much or it's like drinking too much. It's the same thing. Your thoughts can beat the daylights out of you. So you had to break that habit. And to me, it kind of goes hand in hand with the other uh, question you asked me. What are you putting in? What are you reading? Are you reading negative stuff? Are you reading positive stuff? Because garbage in is garbage out. Good stuff in is good stuff out. That's why I will insert some spiritual stuff. Because that's a lot of times pretty positive. And so that helps keep me sort of balanced. Yeah. I usually will uh, look at stuff that that gets me excited again, you know, in terms of creativity. Yeah. um, Was it Steven Spielberg said that every time he gets ready to make a movie there, and I can't remember what movies they are, but he always watches the same two or three movies before he makes a movie. I think one of them is uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, one of David Lean's movies, which is, you know, David Lean shot the Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. Those are, you know, three of his movies. They're shot in really widescreen locales and they're really big, big motion pictures. And, and he always said, you know, I'll watch one of those three movies to get me really going before I make a movie. Whatever your thing is, you got to find things that relate to that to get you inspired, get you positive. When you mentioned earlier about, you know, everyone has negative thoughts, everyone's guilty of those and listening to it. And sometimes it's just about bringing that problem to light and just saying these things are happening and just being able to identify it. The chapter that spoke to me was actually the previous one, which talked about getting focused is easy. The quote that I always find hilarious and is just so true is my grandmother used to always tell me you can't chase two rabbits, you'll lose both of them. That's something I realized that 
there used to be this culture of multitasking, that it was a good thing to be high productive and multitasker. And now it's like, no, you're not actually multitasking because you're not putting all of your focus into any of the things you're doing. You're only putting partial focus into it. So while I don't turn off my email and only answer it a few times a day, I'll flag it and go back later. Like I won't immediately respond to it because I want to stay in that moment. So I do take some of those things that you talk about. Yeah, I mean, going and putting clothes in the washer and walking and washing dishes across the room is not multitasking Mm -hmm. because you're not focused on both things at the same time. That would be multitasking. And that all comes from the computer because they came up with the term multitasking where computers would connect with terminals in a really rapid rate. But even computers can't do it. They can't even connect with more than one terminal at a time. So it's really even a misnomer in computing world. But somehow or another, we've decided we're smart enough to be able to do two or three things at once. And every time we do that, we get worse and worse and worse at everything we take on focus it's not only pretty significant for your ultimate success to me it has a lot to do with your peace of mind too because there's a lot of drama and a lot of stress that comes with having the pressure of feeling like you got to do three things at once so how do you stay focused well I think I'm pretty good at it I give myself time not to be focused I got time where I'm just vegging out I guess you'd say so you know on the weekends or whatever yeah, I'll, I'll just lay on the couch and watch TV, you know, or something like that. But when it's time to go do whatever it is I need to go do, I am, I'm laser on that. And my wife will tell you if she's going with me in the car and I'm going to speak somewhere, it's like riding by yourself. You know, I, I'm not talkative. I'm not, you know, joking around or talking a whole lot. I'm visually preparing for what that talk is going to be and how the audience reaction is going to be and what I'm going to say and what how they're going to react. And I play all that out in my mind to prepare to give the talk. It's just my routine. Would it turn out the same if I left and joked all the way there? It might, but that's just my thing, right? That's my way of kind of getting focused. You're already in the moment. Yeah, and I will give myself time to not be focused. I'll go for walks with the dogs and look at the trees and look at the sky and and listen to music and play air guitar and all that stuff. But then when it's time to really crank something out, I will sit down and just say, okay, I've got 30 minutes to write this blog post and that's all I've got. So at the end of 30 minutes, I'm going to have something that's finished. Even if I don't have an idea, I will tell myself I have to have an idea and I have to write something and it has to be done in 30 minutes and it works. So you give yourself a a deadline. I do. I don't know if that works for everybody, but it works for me. One of the things I always do in order to, you know, maintain productivity and and still maintain focus on an individual item is if I have that feeling, that need to procrastinate, I'll do what I call productive procrastination and I'll move to the next thing on my list and do that. So I feel like I'm procrastinating the first important thing, but I'm still getting work done. And then it gives me that break to go back to it afterwards. I mean, I've heard both rules of thumb on that i've heard you know tackle the toughest thing first and everything the rest of the day will be easy Mm -hmm. and then i've also heard go for low-hanging fruit build up some momentum knock a few things out get yourself going and then tackle the big thing so i don't know that all that stuff is so individual i think it depends on the person i don't think there's a hard and fast blanket way that works for everybody well sometimes i will walk away from it if i can't get moving on it yeah 
when I come back, I'm usually good. Because you're still thinking about it. Because your mind is still working out the problem. Right. But I'm trying to accomplish it. If I keep pushing and pushing, it, it just doesn't get done. Well, 90 minutes is my threshold. And I think that's most people's threshold. Like, I will never do a workshop session longer than 90 minutes before I give people a break and let them disengage and walk around, get a drink of water, have some conversation with themselves. You guys will see me walk up and down the hall, say hi, this, that, and the other, and then you won't see me again for an hour and a half. I think an hour and a half, I think most scientists agree, that's about as long as you can engage at a time without checking out and give yourself a little break and then check back in. That's pretty good advice. If you can come in the morning at 8 or whenever it is you're supposed to start your work and you can go to 930, from 930 to 940, 945, you check out, go back at 945, you work to 1115 and you, you go hard at it. Then you check out to 1130 and you come back and work 30 minutes, maybe go to lunch. Habit stacking those time frames, I think, can be really good. Like burst of productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the next book? Well, I'm working on a book right now uh, that has to do with best practices. I don't know the name of it yet. I'm kind of, I've asked Anne Marie to help me come up with a title, but it's about giving feedback. It's about the value of feedback, the value of giving it properly, the value of receiving it properly, the the value of eliminating your blind spot. So it's all about feedback. It's probably the most valuable thing that anybody could ever do for you. And sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to to let everybody do that for you. Well, having an art background, there was a lot of feedback. I'm guessing at least once a week we would meet as a group. Well, I... A lot of people know this. Now, not everybody does, but for the benefit of our audience, I'm going to to say it today, is that I am fine with solicited feedback. I'm not fine with unsolicited feedback. Right. When somebody comes up and just wants to give you feedback that you didn't ask for, I'm like, stick it in your ear, you know. (laughs) But, But I think there is value in soliciting feedback from people who care about you and have your best interests at heart and that you can trust. And that can be kind of painful and tough to hear sometimes, but at least they're out for you're good and you respect them and you're you know you're probably more often than not receive that well from them as well as you possibly can it's going to hurt a little bit sometimes but unsolicited feedback I remember once and I tell this story a lot when I'm speaking but it's difficult for me to sit here on this podcast and talk without moving something and especially when I'm speaking to an audience I mean I'm back and forth on the stage and I have to wear a mic you know on my lapel or whatever because I'm moving my hands too much to have a handheld and I come off the stage and this lady meets me at the stage and she says I'm a speaking consultant and I just thought you ought to know you would do a lot better if you would just stand at the podium and not move around so much. That doesn't seem like good advice, actually. And, and I said, who asked you? Because I wasn't looking for feedback at that point. I just finished talking and I just wanted to get a drink of water and like relax for a minute after like pouring my heart out for an hour. And she immediately hits me with this advice I didn't ask for. There are going to be people like that in your life and you've got to ignore those people. I mean, they can really bruise you and hurt you if you allow them to. People that you solicit feedback from that you respect and that you trust could be really good thing. I got to get on my soapbox for a moment. Being a public speaking instructor, that is that is not good advice. Right. You should never stand behind a podium because you separate yourself from the audience and the audience doesn't feel like you're open or genuine. Well, she just wanted me to know I was very hard to follow because I was moving around a lot. I'd be better if I just delivered my points. And then sit back down. And sit back down. 
Well, we're looking forward to your next book. Me too. I'm looking forward to it to being finished. (laughs) Okay, so when we come back, I'll be here to talk about some really pivotal moments in the lives of some people that I think you're going to recognize. And we'll do that next on Better Than Before. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards. We're talking about being an entrepreneur this month with most of our content. And there's always a point in your life where you're trying to make a decision. You're not quite sure what to do. Things are getting tough. You feel like giving up. I wanted to share four stories with you that kind of moved me. And I, I think they might move you as well. First one has to do with Shirley Chisholm. She was the first African-American woman in Congress and later became the first major party African-American candidate for president. Back during the 1972 primaries, the notorious segregationist George Wallace was shot, and Shirley Chisholm stunned everyone by visiting him in the hospital. She said, I knew I was going to be thrown out of office. The people in my district was going to come down on me like anything. And despite the guaranteed political fallout, she decided to go visit George Wallace anyway. How she went to offer sympathies to an ideological opposite became a permanent positive footnote to her career. Faced with a choice on the spotlight being on her, she simply listened to what her conscience told her to do. And much later, Wallace lent his assistance when Shirley Chisholm sponsored a bill that extended the federal minimum wage law to domestic workers for the first time. So sometimes when you're faced with a difficult decision and you think there's going to be controversy, you just got to follow your heart and don't necessarily let your conscience be your guide, but let your conscience be your goad. Sometimes your conscience will prod you to do the right thing. Sometimes you can override your conscience. So it's difficult to allow your conscience to be your guide. You got to wonder what was going through Kurt Warner's mind in 2006 when he was replaced as the starting quarterback of an NFL team for the fourth time in four years. The two-time league MVP had fallen far after injuries and ineffectiveness. Through it all, he practiced, he watched, he waited, and quietly mentored the young quarterbacks who kept taking the field while he was pulled out of action. Then in 2007, an injury to the Arizona Cardinals' Matt Leonard put Warner onto the field one more time, and he led a franchise to the title game they had never been to before. Now he's a Hall of Famer who raised two different teams to glory, the St. Louis Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. It's a reminder that whatever happened to might just be one of those turning points away from being an aren't-they-amazing type moment. In the early days of building the Huffington Post, Arianna Huffington was one of the busiest people on earth. 
One day, in the middle of yet another stretch of hectic activity, she fainted. She hit her head on her desk and woke up bleeding. Exhaustion had simply caught up with her. She made the choice to slow down, disconnect more often, say no to more things. She recognized that she couldn't do it all and wound up reaching even greater heights. So taking more time off... Getting more sleep and shutting off devices that held her captive cost her not at all in the end. Actually, it created a happier and healthier influencer. And finally, Tyler Perry. You've seen his movies and TV shows, I'm sure. He had an abusive father. And the answer to everything was to beat it out of you. And Tyler once attempted suicide as a youth to escape that tyranny. He even changed his name to distance himself from the man. His early days were made even more stormy when he suffered abuse at the hands of others. He did not complete high school, but upon learning about the therapeutic effect of writing, he penned a musical based on letters he wrote to himself. He spent his life savings to produce it through a community theater, and it failed. Yet he decided to rewrite it again, rewrite it again, and rewrite it again. And years later, the audience finally showed up. Today, he's one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. Perry had a lot of reasons to give up even before those first theater goers did not embrace his work. But there was something in him that wouldn't let that happen. And in your life as an entrepreneur, at some point you're going to feel like throwing in the towel, but you're going to find that resiliency to keep going and you can be able to break through just like some of these famous and awesome people did. Coming up next on Better Than Before, I'll have your leadership lesson. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. of fun with today's episode of Better Than Before. And it's this part of the show where I want to offer a leadership lesson just straight from me to you. And today, I want to talk to you about decluttering your mind. It's not been that long ago since spring break happened, and we had plans to go to Kentucky for spring break. And on Sunday night, or actually Monday morning, 3 a.m., very early, my wife, Anne Marie, gets up in the middle of the night. She goes to the kitchen and she hears the sound of running water. Well, she then finds out that the water line to our washer has busted and it's flooding our utility room. And not only that, the water's running down into our basement below. Now, lucky for us, it's the unfinished part of our basement and it's the storage room where we've kept a lot of things that we've moved from apartment to apartment, from house to house, and a bunch of boxes over the years. It's been quite a while since we opened them. Well, guess what? We had to open them because they all got wet. So we started sorting through them and we started throwing stuff away. Things that we had packed around for years and also things that really were very sentimental and meant a whole lot to us. The point is we started decluttering. Look around your house. 
Think of how many big bulky possessions you have or papers that are laying around or things that sooner or later you're going to have to deal with it in some way. You're going to have to move it. You're going to have to repair it. You're going to have to sell it or you're going to have to pitch it. That includes everything from your car to your refrigerator to a shed of yours that's out back that's even full of more stuff. Think about the things you own. Consider how that limits your choices in life. You're either still paying for them or you don't dare get rid of them. You're afraid of imagined consequences. Oh my God, what happens if I need that? Tiny bits of mental energy are tied up in each one of those possessions, even a favorite book bag or comic book collection. You're subconsciously bombarded by unheard questions. What if I lose it? What would it cost me to replace that? I wonder if there's a better one out there to feel more free and fearless. Why don't you just try a purge? Feel free to go out one of these days and reacquire the stuff that you really want, but just experience for once how a dramatic purge makes you feel lighter and emboldens you to simplify. One of my mentors told me once, live as simply as possible. And I've really tried to, and I fail at it a lot, but I really try to remember that. How can I make this as simple as possible? How can I boil it down to the bare essentials of what I really need out of this? Here's three areas you can think about. What if you were to trim the clutter in your style? As upstanding members of society, we're expected to change into different colors and different styles. But think of the time, money, and stress you'd save by picking a uniform and rolling with it. Think about Steve Jobs. This dude's famous, and he's a billionaire, and he just wears jeans and a black turtleneck every day. He's got a uniform, something you'd feel great in, something you'd feel comfortable in. Why do you follow the herd every day and spend so much time and money doing that? How about trimming some of the meals? If you were to put a pin on the map of your area and every place that's trying to distract you by drawing you in for some food, you'd be busy for the rest of the week. Make your own food. Brew some coffee at work. Shut out the unhealthy noise that Burger King and Outback are assaulting you with. Number three, what about, this is going to, I mean, this is going to hurt Whitney here. Trim some of the clutter in your trips. Every time you get in a car and drive less than two miles, ask yourself what the peace, quiet, and cardio benefit of walking would have given you. Now, I know she's not going to walk to Arkansas, but every time you book a flight to a vacation spot, wonder if you went because that's what a vacation is supposed to be, or if you might really have been happier doing something smaller in scale, but more eye-opening and relaxing. Remember when we used to have to run defrag programs on our computers? Every now and then they just slowed down and they got sluggish and we'd run a defrag on them and all of a sudden they run great. I'm just suggesting that every now and then maybe you just need to declutter and defrag your environment. Your house, your office, your car, that shed out back. Just defrag, declutter, and feel lighter. That's today's leadership lesson. What a great show we had today. Talked about CEO compensation and uh, Bill and Whitney asked me some questions about my book, The Big Idea. We had an outstanding discussion. I gave you some defining moments in the lives of four pretty significant people in history. And we talked about decluttering and defragging your life. Really had a good time today. If you want to interact with us or you have questions you want to ask us, you can send those to us at email info at clearvision.com development.com you can tweet me on twitter at tony richards four and use the hashtag better than before till i talk to you next time don't forget everything gets better when you get better thank you for listening to better than before with tony richards a business leaders podcast powered by clear vision development group 
For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.